What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Monday, August 12th, 2019, and you guys are listening to episode 412. I hope everybody is doing well. Um, I know that we had a long break, and uh, I will get into that, of course. I am doing this podcast from my lovely hotel room out here in um, Los Angeles, California. I'm actually in Burbank, California right now, out here for uh, just a couple of days. I'm doing a quick in and out, like 30-something hours, and um, and then I'm going back. I will be in Pittsburgh this weekend, but uh, if you hear anything in the background, it's apparently because I cannot turn off the air conditioning unit. Like, I'm trying to, like, click it off, and it doesn't let you, so it's basically, like... It just, it's like an automatic thing throughout the hotel. So if you hear anything, if the sound is messed up, I apologize, but I do want to get this out there. Um, I listened back and it didn't seem like it was that bad or a problem. So I hope, uh, I hope that it's not. And uh, don't worry, you know what? It'll be a good show. Just relax. All right. You can't always be perfect. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I took off um, last week uh, for the podcast uh, because of a tragic loss of uh, a friend. And my ex-manager, uh, David Kimowitz. Um, you know, I've talked about it a bunch. I've talked about it on podcasts. Uh, went through a lot of hurt. Um, so I will just let you guys know if you did not know. I know some of you people have reached out to me. And uh, I appreciate it. Some people stay quiet. And I appreciate that too. Nobody really knows what to say during things like this. Um my old manager and friend David Kimowitz was uh, taken from us from an awful, violent act. Um, just a shocking tragedy and uh, something that nobody expected. Something that, uh, I mean, how could you expect it? But, like, not even like, you know, this wasn't like, you know, I always said, and I didn't mean to sound like a, like a, a, a broken record here to other people that heard me talk about it, but, you know, if God forbid somebody goes from a, from a heart attack or an illness or something, you know, but to just be taken like this um, from an awful violent act, uh, and I don't want my anger to come out on this. I don't want to, you know, I just want to let you guys know I, I just couldn't do the podcast last week. Um, but I also wanted to dedicate some time to let you guys know who David was because a lot of times you don't see, you know, somebody said something where when a comedian something happens to a comedian or an actor or a musician, you have things that you could look at. You could have, you, like there's a body of work and there's songs or jokes or, or clips and scenes from a movie. David was a behind-the-scenes guy who fought for those artists. And, um, you know, he was just really, really a, a always smiling guy. And when, you know, what's funny is like when people die, you always hear that. Just the nicest guy, why him? It really, really was that. It really, really was. Um, always smiling, always happy, always for the artist, always just wanted to live life the best. You know, we'd be at a comedy festival, he'd find it, you know, the best piece of brisket in the whole fucking state, he would know. You know, and, and we would eat. And I remember I did a Montreal audition in 2013 and it went really well. And um, we, you know, he took me to Korean barbecue afterwards, you know, and we just ate. And that, that's who the guy was. But he loved his two girls. He loved his wife, his house and all that stuff. And uh, it was a really big blow. And I'm not going to lie. 
Um, and a bunch of comedians went up at the stand on Monday night and did some eulogies and just talked and said stories and told some funny stories. And I'll repeat, you know, one thing that I said, and, and I, I mean no disrespect to other people that have passed or other people that had people that passed, even in in uh, this business. But this one really fucked me up, man. And and me and a handful of people that he was close to, it was a really, really um, tough thing. Still is and always will be when you when you think back to it and went through a lot with it. But, um, you know, because you try to I, – I was home. I was trying to wrap my head around it. And I was just trying to wrap my head around something I just couldn't. You know, and for people that know me, like I like to solve a puzzle. I like to, I like to, to figure something. I'll go, that's why. You know, that's why. But there wasn't that here. There wasn't that. So I'm trying to make sense of something. My wife is like, you can't make sense of this. There's nothing you could do. There's nothing you could say to make sense of this. Um, and seeing the comedians and talking and then a few days later finally being able to laugh um, was, you know, a good healing thing. And, and the funeral was, you know, just a, a tough thing. But then I started to realize and think about how David lived. And we didn't work together uh, during this time. I uh, stopped working with uh, David and CH Entertainment a few years ago. But, you know, we were always civil. We were always nice to each other. I saw him a couple of weeks uh, prior to this awful tragedy. And um, just talking about his girls and all that stuff. And just life and, and everything. And talking to his family and his brother, whose family is strong, great two great brothers, amazing parents, strong people. And, um, you know, we, uh, share the same love for going to the shore, the same place we go to in the shore every year. And sometimes we even, you know, we've met up before and hung out down there and stuff. So, uh, all that. And, um, you know, it was, it was nice to definitely, after not working with him anymore, be cool with him and, and Chris, Chris Italia, that is, and, and those guys over at the stand, and it's a great club, and it's amazing what he did, and I'm just gonna, you know, finish what he helped me start, <clears throat> excuse me, finish what he helped me start, and, uh, you know, just being there for up-and-coming younger comic, and, and, you know, going to bat for him, you know, and I also said that David is the person that, um, you know, he, like, there would be an audition for like to do Conan or the Tonight Show, and he would like sit next to the Booker during his client sets and laugh, and you're almost like, all right, don't oversell it, you know. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> he was also the guy who told me um, how to wipe my ass better. Uh, I know that may sound funny, but we were outside the stand years ago, and he goes, "You wipe your ass with baby wipes," and I was like, "No, dude, I use like Scott toilet paper, like regular." He goes, "No, no, no, got to use regular toilet paper, then you got to use baby wipes. Your ass will feel so clean." And it's funny, for like a long time, I just laughed that off and didn't do it. And now we have like adult baby wipes in the house, and like it changed the game. And I told, I said on stage, I said, every time I wipe my ass, I'm going to think of David Kimowitz. But um, it was uh, just a, you know, devastating, surreal thing. And, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, want the family to know that I'll be there for them. And we all will. The comedy community will. Um and I always remember this guy's smile. I mean, me and David, I mean, we we shared a hotel room together in Austin for the South by Southwest Festival. And he was so excited to take me to this uh, La Barbecue uh, barbecue place. And, um, you know, he just wanted to come out there. Not even so much for the comedy. just wanted to have a good time with his client. just wanted to be out there. 
<clears throat> um, and eat and feel the whole thing and, and you know, just, just a nice time. So I remember one memory, we were uh, chilling in the hotel room we were staying in and we were looking at the brochure of all the artists because we are like, hey, you know, I only had one show at South By and it's all really big for music is really what it is. So I was like, he's like, oh, maybe there's like some sort of musician we could go see. And then there was like this list of hip hop and David liked hip hop. And there was this list of like up and coming hip hop artists that had shows. And we were laughing hysterically at the names of some of these guys. And I'll never forget one of the names was uh, Money Making Nick. And David was just like, yo, you want to go see Money Making Nick? And we would just say Money Making Nick and just laugh. Um... But here's the type of guy he was. Before he had kids, or maybe his first daughter was very young, he would keep showing me pictures of his nephew and laughing so hard. Like the guy was about family. The guy was about fun. The guy was about enjoying life. You know, working hard but enjoying life and, and about that. So um, it was a really tough thing. And, and I don't, again, I don't mean any disrespect, but it, it hit me harder than it. Uh, Maybe any other other death that I could really remember, and you know that it like you know there with my with my brother-in-law Kevin rest his soul. So this is like really like for a non-family member, this was a shocking, brutal thing, and I just didn't really feel like you know doing the podcast. I was you know kind of out of it, and now getting back into the swing of things. But you guys won't won't see comedy clips of David Kimowitz, but if you uh, if you want to know about him and all that stuff, I mean he was just. He was, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure you could see and, and read what he's done and, and all that stuff. Um, there will be a, um, a memorial, I believe, like a, a like a, a website um, to a charity that I'll announce when I when I fully know which one it is and all that stuff. Obviously, in the weeks to come. So, uh, rest in peace, David Kimowitz. I'll miss you, but I'll never forget <clears throat> your your smile and the way you lived and, um, you know. Of course, it's going to be sad sometimes, but instead of doing that, I'm going to always think about like the way you lived, and that's what I want to do, and um, and the way you know, uh, you know how you thought of comedy and what you wanted. He never would get mad. One time, he came to see me at Levity Live, and he goes, "Yeah, I'll come up. I'll check out some of your new jokes." And then we went to eat, and I remember I got off stage. And it was the one time he's like, man, you didn't do enough new stuff. I knew some of that stuff. And he genuinely wanted to see you take the risks and the chances. And, and over time, you know, that's when you learn that. It's like that's the type of, of guy he was and having somebody like that to push you. So, um, yeah. So anyway, um, my heart goes out to um, the family and uh, rest in peace. And um, you were a great dude. And I hope everybody listening to this knows that uh, when you go to The Stand, which is one of the best clubs in New York City, make no mistake about that, David is one of the people that built it, helped put that together. He's one of the owners, and uh, always know that when you go in there that a great man who's no longer with us was a part of one of the best comedy clubs in the best city in the world. Um, and they're trying to work to be the best club in the world. So there you go. Um, now speaking of David loving food, I am here in California, and I went to a place called Burger M, okay? I'm not making this up, guys. I had no intention of talking about this today on the podcast until I just experienced this. Oh, the air stopped. Good, good. So it's not going to sound... All right, good. So it'll sound... All right. It's called Burger M. That's Burger I-M. 
and the logo is like orange. You can Google this shit. Burger I am. Okay? And I just went in there because I was going to go to Panda Express. And I, when I walked into Panda Express, I was just like, you know what? This is just that same fried shitty Chinese food that you get in a, in a food court at a mall. You know? Where you get a side or like two sides and two meats. And they always give you the taste with the fucking toothpick. Oh, the bourbon chicken and all that shit. I just walked in there and I'm like, this is just basically a food court with a structure around it. And like a real, like a real, whatever, a real restaurant feel or like indoors. But this is still, you know, the same shit when you're, when you see a dick Sporting Goods next to a food court. I didn't want to do it. So I walked right out of Panda Express and I went into this Burger Inn. Holy shit, I am not kidding and I am not trying to be funny here. It actually blew me away. I cannot believe what I just tasted. If you go to Burger M, I will repeat it. It's Burger I-M. You have to get the Spanish beef burger. It's this beef patty with like, it's just seasoned. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. And then it has these little jalapenos all over it. And I basically took the bread off because I'm watching... You know, it was so good. I said, do you guys make small ones? And he goes, yeah, but you have to get like fries and a drink with it. And I go, that's fine. And I basically didn't eat. I had like one onion ring or like a couple bites of an onion ring. I didn't even drink the Diet Coke. I took two sips of it, put it down. I was drinking water. And I even took the bread off the small one. But it was the most delicious. I could honestly say top five tasting burgers that I've ever had in my entire life. It actually blew me away to the point where when I bit it, I go, I got to talk about this on the podcast. I can't believe the shit that I just ate. I cannot believe how delicious it was. And I'm not even trying to be funny here. I It actually blew me the fuck away. I can't even believe what I just ate. Like, if I would eat, like, if I was a fat piece, like, if I was just a fat animal who didn't care, I would have sat down and I would have ordered three full-fledged of those burgers and ate the bread and the whole thing through. And just fries and a drink, and it would probably have been one of the greatest. It was that ridiculous. And they had all kinds of other burgers. They had a Greek type of burger. They had the regular Angus like cheeseburger. They had all this stuff, but it blew me away. So Spanish beef burger at Burger M was my lunch today, and it was it was great. It was actually so far being a really good day out here. I did Burt Kreischer's podcast, Burtcast, and we didn't even realize. We were just talking and shooting the shit, and it was so smooth. I didn't know we first got on. So... It's one of those, and that's what Ron Bennington does too on the Sirius XM, the Bennington Show. It's one of those things where you just sit down, and there's a mic in front of you. You're like, hey, man, so what's going on? What's been going on? You just start talking, and I'm waiting for, you know, an intro. <clears throat> I'm waiting for like, all right, we got Paul Verzi here. We're going to do it, and I didn't realize he does all that later. So we just start talking, and next thing you know, two and a half hours go by, and we just start talking about everything, comedy and Eddie Murphy and... Uh, a testicle that exploded and, and swelled up. Um, we talked about anxiety and we talked about OCD and we talked about, um, you know, all kinds of, you know, all kinds of stuff. And two and a half hours went by and they, they were really happy with it. So I hope you guys check that out. Um, I'll let you guys know when I'll post when that is out there. But that was um, that was today. So good podcast with Bert and the Spanish beef burger at Burger I Am was the way to go. Now, here's my unacceptable for the day. I flew here yesterday on JetBlue's new JetBlue Mint. Great planes, very convenient, 
You could walk up to a snack booth and get your own snack, get your own drinks throughout the flight. Spacious, big jet, nice plane. They have a first class. They have an even more room, which I sat in, and it was incredible. Um, you know, so everything is great. And they got movies, and they got TV, and I was landing in late, so I didn't want to sleep. I wanted to make sure I got to my hotel tired, which I did, because by the time I landed in L.A., it was basically 3 o'clock in the morning my time by the time I got to the hotel. So I'm perfect. I'll sleep. Everything's good. Here's the problem. We're supposed to land at LAX around 1045, okay? Guy gets on the thing. By the way, it was the worst speaking pilot ever. Like he sounded like he just graduated college and he was still figuring out the script. That's how bad it was. He was like, all right, yeah, folks, we're, uh, I'm going to put the belt back on because I think we're going to have a little bit of, little bit of, you know, turbulence. Uh, and then, you know, I'll try to put it right back on if I can, you know, put it right back on. So, all right. Uh, and he was like fumbling his words. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for flying. It was just like, I wanted to be like, dude, you got to get this shit down at home before you... You know, you're flying a big jet with a lot of people on this thing right now. I, I don't need this guy flubbing his lines, okay? I want, you know, I want a guy who's got his shit together. You guys know, I always said that. Mustache and a slight sense of arrogance. I want Sam Elliott flying my fucking plane. Not some guy who looks like he, you know. So anyway, he gets on the thing and he goes, he goes, um, oh, guys, uh, you know, it looks like we're going to be getting in early. So I'm like, that's great. So I'm watching movies. I'm watching Tommy Boy. I watched a little bit of Happy Gilmore. Watching a little bit of, you know, Shark Tank. Just flipping through the channels. Just trying not to sleep. And then we start approaching. And I'm like, wow, we're only two hours and 30-something minutes away. I was like, this flight's going by quick. This is great. My seat was originally in the window with two other people. But across, there were like empty seats. So they were like, oh, we could free up space for everybody if you just move over. So you move over like right over there. It was great. It was it was a ton of room. I even bought the blanket, you know, with the just the whole deal. Lights closed, comfortable. Guy goes, folks, great news. Uh, got some good news and some bad news, he goes. Now here's where the unacceptable comes in. He goes, got some good news and got some bad news. Good news is it looks like we're going to be really, really early tonight. Looks like we're landing about 45 minutes in Los Angeles early. Now, I fly a lot. That's unheard of. That's really unheard of that we got from New York. So the flight was supposed to be five hours and like 17 minutes. We got from New York to Los Angeles in like four and a half, like four and a half. It was like very, very, it was like the way, as much as it takes to go to like Vegas, we got to LA. Then he goes, unfortunately... We don't really have a gate because we're so early. So, <laughs> so, so he goes, um, yeah, since we're early, there's another plane at our gate. And they're saying we're going to have to sit on the plane for maybe about 40, 45 minutes. So we land. We land early. I'm like, oh, my God, it's only 10 o'clock. This is great. And we sit there. And then they go, all right, they need us to move, so we're going to put the belt on, and then we'll move, and then in five minutes you could take the belt off and move around the thing. And we're just sitting there for almost an hour. We might as well have been in the air. And then the guy comes out, and here's where the real unacceptable, the pilot comes out and gets on the horn in front of everybody. He goes, hey, folks, listen, you know, 
really sorry about this. It looks like we're going to have to sit another 25 minutes, uh, blah, blah, blah. And he's going through the whole thing, and people are just like, what's going on, man? Let me get me off this plane. And then he goes, but, you know, the good news is we still will be on almost on time, the, the original time. And everybody laughed. And he's like, ah, if you could find the positive in anything. He goes, just so you know, I missed my flight to Seattle, so I'm frustrated too. And I want to be like, man, listen, I don't give a shit that we landed here. We're still on an airplane. I can't get off this thing. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's like I can't I might we might as well have been in the air because at least I could have continued to watch movies or sleep. Instead I'm just sitting on this thing waiting to get off the plane. Absolutely unacceptable. And usually JetBlue doesn't screw up. And I'm not that mad because the flight was super comfortable and everybody was really nice about it. So but you know don't say, huh, but the nice thing is we're here. Doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. I tried to use a sex analogy just now, but it wasn't going to work, so I, I didn't. Um, <laughs> you know, I, um, I didn't. And then I rented a car, and then apparently I just found out the car that I rented. Downstairs called up and said, hey, just so you know, the spoiler on your car is a little loose. So now I need to call the rent-a-car place and be like, look, I picked this thing up last night, and I mean, I already have the insurance for it, but I'm not, I'm not what's it called? I'm not buying some rent a car place a um a spoiler so uh, let's see what you guys think somebody wrote in there unacceptable um let me see okay this is from josh from boston unacceptable boston comedy club hey paul it's been a while but i finally have a good unacceptable uh worth getting angry about bear with me this will probably get you heated too A comedy club in Boston is restructuring and going on a temporary hiatus because the material um, that open micers have been using is considered too offensive and does not represent the values of the venue. Um, To me, that is absolute absolutely horseshit. I'm pretty liberal black guy from Massachusetts, but I think this is ridiculous. First of all, open mic comedy is about testing out material and trying to hone your craft second of all it's fucking comedy what did you think was going to happen i could understand if a venue says clean material only which makes sense i actually still don't think that that makes sense but i'll get into that after i hear what you're saying uh but to close down because people are making jokes and can't take it that's absurd when i hear about things like this it makes me realize this is the reason why trump got elected because there are people out there who are tired of folks who get offended at everything. This is both the best time and the worst time to be a comedian because now you can possibly have your entire career ruined if you say a joke that someone can't take. But a good time uh, because there are so many ways to get exposed. Completely unacceptable. I'm ashamed that this is happening and I hope uh, it does not become a trend. Uh, Well, I didn't know about this. And I didn't know. Thank you, by the way. Thank you for the unacceptable. I think this is definitely a good thing to talk about. Um, You know, look, first of all, let me say this. As far as comedy, I don't think anybody's career is going to get ruined if they're halfway smart and have a fucking brain between their their ears. Okay? Um, You just, there's just certain things you can't say or do. Okay? Now, as much as I don't think you know, 
Roseanne Barr should have lost everything and lost her show. What she did is just not a smart thing, whether she didn't mean to word it that way and she was telling the truth or whatever, but she just said something that was can be taken so over-the-top racist that you got to be a little smarter than that. You know, you got to know what you're saying as an adult and understand. And I always said, just make sure you stand behind it. Because if you could stand behind it, um, and this is totally separate from what you're talking about with the unacceptable, so I'm going to get to that, but just stand behind it. Okay, if, if as long as you're not doing it for shock value, as long as you're not doing it, because there are comedians that do that and people that do that. They don't even believe what they say. They just say it to be, like, if that's the case, then that's ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? It's like, believe it, be able to defend it. If somebody goes at you, say, here's exactly why I said that. Here's why you feel that way, but here's why that's a wrong feeling, because this was a joke and this is what I meant and you need to deal with it, not me. <clears throat> now, going back to this, um, venue. This does not seem like a comedy club to me or a comedy club. Like, I mean, I know this doesn't seem, I've been in all the years I've been doing comedy. I was told two times to watch what I say. One time I obliged and the other time I didn't. And the other time I didn't was later in my career, like a year ago. And I knew that I was uh, not to be arrogant, but I knew that I was good enough to do what, what they didn't want me to do. And I will tell you both right now. Uh, the first one was I was at State College um, in Pennsylvania, right by Penn State. And this is when the Joe Paterno stuff was happening. And they took down Joe Paterno's statue because Jerry Sandusky was abusing, sexually abusing kids and a pedophile under Joe Paterno, rest his soul's watch. And, you know, some people like Joe Paterno has been here for 60 years and he didn't know what well, other people are like, oh, he looked the other way and whatever. And the town was so distraught and upset by it that they said in the comedy club, they said, um, they said, don't just please don't talk about that. And you know what? It was my first time in the room and I just kind of obliged. I was there. I remember Kyle Grooms had a funny thing. He did one joke about what college, Brigham Young or some kind of college. He did like a quick little jokey joke, like even like joking about the joke. But we kind of obliged. I didn't say a thing about it, okay? Then I was told at the Borgata, you know, be careful with anything that you say about Trump because there was an incident where a comedian didn't do a joke about it but took a side just like going after the president, saying the president was this, president was that. And a lot of people to the point where 200 people out of 800 people just got up and walked out because people don't want to hear what you think about politics, especially if they like them. So they go, Paul, I'd stay away from that joke. And I said, no. I said, the joke was in my special. The joke is, it, I don't take a side. When you watch the joke, you don't know if I'm for or against Trump. It's a clever joke. It kills. It's Trump tweeting from heaven because, you know, stuff like that. And it was, you know, even some other things about Trump. And, and it can go either way. I've had liberals say they were scared when I went into it. And I've had conservative people say that they were scared when I went, to it, went into it. And they didn't know which way it was going to go, but both were fine and, and fine about it. Um, but for a venue, for a venue to say, like you have here in quotes, recon, what is it? Reconstructing, uh, or restricting, whatever it is, Restru I'm sorry, restructuring for a comedy. So a comedy club in Boston is restructuring in quotes and going on a temporary hiatus because the material that open micers, well, first of all, how many open micers do you have in a club? It just sounds to me that if you haven't only open micers in your club, okay, you know, then that's, is it a real comedy club? I mean, I don't know because you're being vague and maybe you're trying to look out for the people and I would never, I would never, what's it called? 
I would never shit on a club anyway because anywhere that is a house for what I love and what I do and for a place for other people that uh, do and love what I do, I would always want them to have a home. So I'm not going to sit here and shit on anything like that. But a venue that is telling its performers whether uh, – it's my wife. Hold on one second. Hey, babe. I'm doing the podcast right now. Can I call you right back? Is everything all right? Okay, I'll call you back. All right, bye. Um, any venue that is having performers and artists there, whether amateur or professional and experienced, um, to say, first of all, an open mic is basically a place where comedians do ideas. So, you, of course, there's a vacuum right outside my door right now. Of course, there's a fuck. Why would it? Why? Let me ask you guys a question. Why wouldn't there be a fucking vacuum right outside my door right now while I'm doing this? I mean, it's 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 fitting, isn't it? But for a venue to do an open mic, which is known and supposed to be, you know, you can do an you can do an open mic idea about genocide. A comedian could go on stage and do a joke that, you know would be so offensive about genocide or a group of people dying after the, an event like that really happened, but they're trying to find the funny in it. And then all of a sudden, three months later, six months later, that person turned that joke and figured out a way to fix it. I had a joke once that was offensive, but I realized, oh, if I just take this part out, I'll get my point across better. I'm actually working on a, a WNBA joke like that right now, where I'm like, oh, I could see why somebody would get this, but if I say this, they can't. But of, of, at first, you're going to be offended because that's the, that's the point of it. I mean, I swear to God, it's like a dust buster is going up and down the door right now. I mean, if it's not an air conditioner, it's, it's like it's fucking 3 o'clock here, or almost 3 o'clock here. Aren't you guys done yet? It's not the hugest hotel. Anyway, so I, do, I agree with you, Josh. I think it is absurd, and I think that um, – I think that – any place like that is just really not serious about the artist. Because if any... I was talking about that on um, Burt Kreischer's uh, podcast today. He talked about he did a racial joke and people came up to him like, Hey man, I don't really think you should do that or whatever. But when you're trying something and it's new, you, you have to go through that. When I first started doing my mass shooting joke that closed my special, when I first did it, it came across as very, very much um, just brash, inconsiderate to, to maybe some, it just came across as too, it wasn't right. And I listened to it. I thought about it. I'm like, well, if I do it this way. And then by the time I did it on my special, nobody had a problem with it. Nobody had a problem with it because I talked about how it comes from my disease and my OCD and my awful thoughts. And I tried to put light on it. But when I first was doing the mass shooting joke, people would be upset or people would be like, wait, where is he going with that? So for this venue, that says they're restructuring, uh, what does that mean? How about you just put something outside the door that says you're going to hear some awful shit about drugs, violence, disease, you know, awful things, wheelchair. You're going to hear a lot of things, and if that bothers you, leave. If not, that this is what people are doing. So it doesn't sound like a place that's too serious, and if they are serious, they're really, really going about it wrong and are part of the problem in what's going on today, not the solution. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that submission. And if you guys want to submit anything to uh, TVE, you could submit it to uh, TVE. Uh, I'm sorry, Unacceptables um, 
for T. Wait a minute. What is an element? Now I got to look. Um, it, it is. Uh, here we go. Let me just make sure I can read this so you guys get it. It's unacceptables for TVE at Gmail. So unacceptables F O R T V E at Gmail dot com. Anything like that, anything that you want to talk about, doesn't have to be an unacceptable either. Could also just be something that you want to talk about or a question or, hey, Paul, I got an opi- you know, opinion on this, opinion on that, whatever. And um, I'd love your advice or whatever or opinion. So send it to that. And, um, yeah, we will uh, definitely address it and shout you guys out and do all, you know, and do all that stuff. As far as movies, you know, I, um, I saw this movie Green Room about a band like a, an up-and-coming band or an that was looking for a gig and they got a gig in front of a bunch of nazis and then they witnessed a murder or they witnessed somebody dead and then they people held them there and tried to kill them and they were locked in the green room and a bunch of stuff happens it was okay it was okay you know it wasn't it wasn't great but i saw that that was on um that was on netflix but as far as movies i have not seen too many um you know lately i wasn't really in the mood this week to go see any kind of um you know movies with uh you know everything that happened so uh no movies as far as sports this week what can i say um oh my god my son did nick's basketball camp and he was amazing he won the uh the free throw shooting uh championship amongst uh what is it nine through 11 year olds and he won it and i was super proud and then I won the parent shootout because my son gets his J for. Don't think my son doesn't get his Jimmy from me. He's get he's got that jumper because of his dad. I know I'm five eight, but I could shoot it. And um, they were watching me shoot. I was shooting. I did this little thing like where you could jump on your son or your kid's team, and a bunch of parents do, and you just like rapid fire shoot and try to get these points. And I was like doing well. And then at the end, they did a parent shootout, and I won it. And then they like I didn't even know it was a. I didn't even know you get a gift. They just handed me this big Under Armour bag with all kinds of shit in it. It was amazing. My son was so happy. He's like, thanks. They thanked me. But I just had to hit a foul shot with the entire gym, like yelling and jumping up and talking shit to distract you. And like all these parents were online and people were shooting air balls and missing. And I just knocked it down. And um, But it was so cool. My son won two championships too. Last week he was in it. And they went to the playoffs and won the championship. And then this, out of six teams, his team was the fifth seed. And they ended up winning their first two playoff games, go to the championship and win. And he contributed really well. So um, super proud. And um, he saw a bunch of Knicks this week. Uh, Last week was Larry Johnson and Rod Strickland. This week was John Starks and um, Michael Ray Richardson, who if you don't know, Michael Ray Richardson was picked three picks after Larry Bird. And I believe it was 78 or 79. He was projected Hall of Famer. Like he killed it with the Knicks for a while, then the Nets. Then he had some horrible things happen with drugs. And then he ended up after like eight years going and playing in Europe. And now he's been clean for 35 years. But he came and talked to the kids. So it was just a really cool, cool thing. And, and you know, it kept, you know, me a little distracted from everything that went on uh, with my son. Um, you know, hanging with, I mean, uh, hanging with my son and, and, and being at that camp kept me distracted from everything that went on. So, um, so anyway, that was that Yankees are flying. 
what are you going to do? The Mets are doing good. We'll see what happens. Um, and, yeah, just waiting for the Giants. I heard Daniel Jones look real good with the Giants pick. Everybody was talking shit about that. Now this kid's going to come in there looking great, and then everybody's going to say, oh, you know, I told you so. Haven't people learned when you boo a draft pick and you hate a draft pick, they usually turn out well. And then when everybody goes nuts, it's very rare. Although Saquon Barkley, I think, is going to be one where everybody goes nuts and is still, and it, they, you know, rightfully so, he, uh, he still is the guy. Let's talk Los Angeles, California. Do you guys like it? Do you hate it? There are so many opinions about it. So many people in New York and comedians and half of them love it. The other half can't stand it, say they would never be here. Um, I don't know if I can live out here, but I will tell you something. You know, obviously the weather, obviously um, it's just more of a, you know, kind of more of a laid back thing like that. Um, I'll be honest, and I'm not trying to be a dick. I don't think I can live out here. I don't think I could live out here because there's something. I love the seasons. I love the winter. I love all that shit. I love snow. I love the Northeast. I just love having to wear a winter coat or a nice jacket, dress in certain ways, you know, um, scarves and boots and shit. There's just something about that that I like. Um, but I'm not going to shit on it out here. I think the food is great out here. I think, you know, obviously the weather and all that. So for me, it's in doses. It's like come in, have a good time, week or two, couple days, do something, feel it for a little bit, and then get out. Um, but I know a lot of people hate it. So if you have any stories, if you lived in both and you have any stories about it, right. Because I'm kind of amazed that I don't know if the people that move here and stay and love it are talking shit. Or um, if they're just, if they really, you know, mean it. Um, I wasn't able to really talk about this because of everything that happened with David and, um, you know, the rest of soul, the tragedy. But um, two days before, I did do my shoot for the movie and I was so thrilled with it. And I just got to say, to work with Judd Apatow, who I really consider like, you know, if you really think about it and you look at the body of work, the movies that he's produced and directed like um, Anchorman and, and Step Brothers and Superbad and, you know, um, Bridesmaids and, you know, was it, was it 40 Year Old Virgin? I don't know. All the movies that he either took part in some way, shape or form. He's like really like this generation's Mel Brooks. And I went on set, and my, it was crazy because my scene changed. So I had my scene for like three months. I have it in my head. I know what I'm going to do, you know, and I got to play this part. I can't talk about the part. Just contractually, I can't talk about the part, but I kind of know what I'm doing. And then on the way to the set, they just changed everything. And I'm like, oh, I got to learn this. And I started freaking out, and I saw Pete on the lot. Uh, Pete Davidson, because his trailer was next to where I was staying, and uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, no, don't worry about it. Dude. We could feed you lines or what." And I'm just going like, it was so loose. And then to work with Judd finally after hours of waiting to work with him, and how easy of a, how easy, how nice, how he gets the best out of you because he lets you go, like he let me go, and. And it got, you know, and, and we did it and, and everything worked out and it was really, really cool. So it was, uh, I think the movie's wrapped. So congratulations to, to Pete Davidson and, and Judd Apatow and, and the movie. The cast is amazing and it's going to come out, uh, I believe, next summer. So, um, you know, check it out. But it was, 
you know, because you go on set, just to give you guys some information, and, you know, I, I want you guys to, you know, know cool shit on the podcast if you're listening, but, you know, I'm a guy who did an independent film, I've done some, you know, some sketches, funnier die sketches, certain things like that, um, quick little things for, you know, for YouTube and stuff, but this is like my first major motion picture, and like, you're doing a scene, and you're being directed by basically the, you know, the comedy guy. Like, you know, it's like Scorsese is the drama or the, 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 the mafia movie guy. And then there's, and this is the guy. And you're like, and when I tell you, you just get there. And they're like, no, no, you'll see. It's great. Um, that one of this, the AD, the assistant director, whatever, was like, no, wait till you work with him. He's going to just, it's so cool and, and, and free and easy. And, and I'm just like, and I get there and it was, it was just like, he just gets it. You know, it's like, um. I mean, who did I say something to? I said something to Burr. I go, is he like a Bobby Knight coach or a Joe Torre? And he goes, no, no, he's like a player's coach. He's like a Rex Ryan or something, he said. And he really was. Then you're standing there, and this legendary guy who's done movies with Will Ferrell, and he's done movies with, you know, you name it, like Steve Carell and, you know, Kristen Wiig and all these people and these movies that you watched for the last 10 years. And then he's standing there, like, talking to you, directing you, and then liking it. And you're going, like, oh, man. Like, so it was a very, um, you know, and I didn't really want to post any pictures because of what happened last week. But I will, you know, moving forward and post some things. But it was just a really kind of sick experience. And the one thing that is so true to acting, and I knew this a little bit, but I really felt it and learned it. Um, it's just waiting. You just fuck, you just wait. So you get there, you know, it, you just wait. That's what it is. Like, I remember getting there at, like, 5.30, 6 o'clock, thinking I'm going to go at 7. I didn't get on set to do my scene until almost midnight. And you just wait there. And they're like, yeah, if you want water or snacks, and you're just literally just waiting around. Um, but it was it was super, super cool. And, um, you know, something that I'll never forget. And also fun. I remember people like, you know, man, make sure you have fun too. You gotta have fun, and I, I really did. It was like fun, and it was, it was, you know, it was great, creative, and all that stuff. So, um, that's what, that's what happened with that. So, when there's more uh, information, I will let you guys know that. Uh, again, you know, I will put out some more Patreons and and do that as well. Um, I have to cut this one. I have to cut this one because I have some, some stuff to do here. What are we? We're over forty minutes anyway. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, guys. I'm going to one of the most underrated, one of the most underrated cities. I said this before, and I'll say it again. Yankee Stadium is amazing because it's just the facade and the history, and I get that. PNC Park where the Pirates play was literally, it looked like a museum where they shouldn't play baseball on it. That's how beautiful it was. I loved it. I don't know why. There was something about it. The bridges in the background, the the shaved uh, shrubs and bushes just though I don't know what it was it was it was looked like the nicest place to play baseball I've ever seen um so but I mean obviously I'm not saying that yeah come to my comedy show because their baseball field is nice <laughs> I'm not saying that shit I'm just saying that the food the people um it's really like it's blue collar but cool blue collar um I love it and Pittsburgh's own my dear friend, you know him, you love him. He's been on the show multiple times. Uh, Joe Bartnick, uh, Joe B, as we call him, will be uh, featuring for me. Um, so it'll be a host, then Joe, then me, and we're going to have a great time out there. That is this Thursday, 
August 15th through Sunday the 18th at the Pittsburgh Improv. Get tickets. You could just go to the Pittsburgh. You go to Google, put in Pittsburgh Improv or PittsburghImprov.com. Get tickets there. Uh, PaulVerzi.com. But if you are in that area or within a drive, come on, you guys could drive a little bit. If you're within that area, definitely drive out there and check out the show. I'm doing the new hour and the new tour. My tour is called The Prequel. That's right, Paul Verzi, The Prequel. I think that that's going to be the name of the new hour, The Prequel. It's going to be a lot of stuff, obviously, that you guys haven't heard, but really personal stuff and stuff about me, you know, growing up and stuff like that. So uh, come out to see The Prequel Tour. The hour is going better than any hour or stand-up that I've ever done. Um, working some new jokes. Oh, and I got a couple of doozies that I'm really, really looking forward to sharing with uh, with everybody. So that is that. Then I will be I'm doing Funny Bones. What am I doing? I'm doing a Funny Bone before... You know what? All the dates are on paulverzi.com. And then, of course, uh, what's it called? September 27th and 28th, Gotham Comedy Club, guys. Um, come out. It's going to be amazing. I'm so thankful so many people locally are telling me they're coming out to that show. Um... September 27th and 28th, Gotham Comedy Club, New York City, 23rd Street. Um, doesn't get better than that. It's the place to be. It's the place to watch stand-up, and it's my favorite place to headline. So I'm home. I'll be home doing it. So come out. Last year was great. And uh, I hope to see you guys at a show. Uh, there will be a um, another Patreon coming on here. And the final art, I got to I gotta send you guys a picture of this, the final art of the Superfan Podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, the Super Fans Podcast with me and Jerry Ford. The final art is done, and it is sick. We're both in like these basketball jerseys with sneakers draped over our shoulders, and we're looking up to like the bat signal, but it's a microphone and a ball. It, it's sick. And like now this guy who does like comic book art is putting it together, and um, we will be doing it with uh, – looks like we will be doing it. I'll, I'll name the network now we're doing it. looks like uh, we're going to be doing it with Riotcast from the Riotcast studios because they had studios in New York right near us, and it worked out, and they're great. So um, all that stuff, all those uh, things are happening. So there you go. Um, all right, we're about 46 minutes in. I got to cut this one and get this one out there. This has been TVE uh, 412. Do yourself a favor. Um Look up David Kimowitz and remember that and just know what that guy did for so many comedians that you probably know and love what he did. And, uh, you know, he's a great dad. He's got two beautiful girls that everybody's going to look after and make sure that they're doing okay. And when you go into the stand, just know and remember that he took a part of that. And he always did it with a smile and he always did it with, with um, big hopes and saying things and Chris Italia wrote something how like even when they first started he's like this place is going to do great and well god we got a lot to do but he just was that type of dude you know optimistic ready and and um so um this episode is is uh, dedicated to the beautiful David Kimowitz always smiling that's how I'm going to remember you if you guys also want to see him um you could scroll on my Facebook page I'm sure there's a picture or two um from last week so um it's although it's uh, it's tragic it's um it's tragic and sad and awful um we move forward positive for him because that's really all you can do and um just remember when things are bad man uh or you're ever issue you know have an issue with somebody or you you know you're fighting with somebody whatever man stupid shit 
it doesn't matter because something awful could happen and you know in the blink of an eye and uh, you want to make sure that you know you you live the right way and all that and i don't mean to be corny or preacher or anything like that but um you know that's what it is so i was having a hard time trying to be funny the first few days this happened i just kind of was like whatever and then now i'm going up there defiant trying to represent what david would would want and um you know so um there you go hug the people you love remember david kimowitz is somebody who helped the art that you love so much and put together a great great club uh with the stand and um that's it everybody i will see you guys uh, in Pittsburgh, Thursday to Sunday. And um, check out paulverzi.com for more dates and everything. And I will also post the podcast that I did with Bert when it is ready. Thank you guys so much. Uh, talk to you soon.